Chapter Nine of *The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit* by R. A. Torrey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Nine: The Regenerating Work of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, in Titus chapter three, verse five, Revised Version, writes, "Not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost." In these words we are taught that the Holy Spirit renews men, or makes men new, and that through this renewing of the Holy Spirit we are saved. Jesus taught the same in John chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god what is regeneration regeneration is the impartation of life spiritual life to those who are dead spiritually dead through their trespasses and sins ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 revised version it is the holy spirit who imparts this life it is true that the written word is the instrument which the Holy Spirit uses in regeneration. We read in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. We read in James chapter 1, verse 18, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. These passages make it plain that the word is the instrument used in regeneration, but it is only as the Holy Spirit uses the instrument that the new birth results. It is the Spirit that giveth life. John chapter 6, verse 63, American Revised Version. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, we are told that the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. This is sometimes interpreted to mean that the literal interpretation of Scripture, the interpretation that takes it in its strict grammatical sense and makes it mean what it says, kills, but that in some spiritual interpretation, an interpretation that gives the spirit of the passage, by making it mean something it does not say, gives life. And those who insist upon Scripture meaning exactly what it says are called deadly literalists. This is a favorite perversion of Scripture with those who do not like to take the Bible as meaning just what it says, and who find themselves driven into a corner and are looking about for some convenient way of escape. If one will read the words in their context, he will see that this thought was utterly foreign to the mind of Paul. Indeed, one who will carefully study the epistles of Paul will find that he himself was a literalist of the literalists. If literalism is deadly, then the teachings of Paul are among the most deadly ever written. Paul will build an argument upon the turn of a word, upon a number or a tense. What does the passage mean? The way to find out what any passage means is to study in their context the words used. Paul is drawing a contrast between the word of God outside of us, written in ink upon parchment, or graven upon tables of stone, and the word of God written within us, in the tables that are hearts of flesh with the spirit of the living God, verse 3. And he tells us that if we merely have the word of God outside us in a book, or on a parchment, or on tables of stone, that it will kill us, that it will only bring condemnation and death, but that if we have the word of God made a living thing in our hearts, written upon our hearts by the Spirit of the living God, that it will bring us life. No number of Bibles upon our tables or in our libraries will save us, 
but the truth of the bible written by the spirit of the living god in our hearts will save us to put the matter of regeneration in another way regeneration is the impartation of a new nature god's own nature to the one who is born again second peter chapter one verse four every human being is born into this world with a perverted nature his whole intellectual affectional and volitional nature perverted by sin no matter how excellent our human ancestry we come into this world with a mind that is blind to the truth of god the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned first corinthians chapter two verse fourteen with affections that are alienated from god loving the things we ought to hate and hating the things we ought to love now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like galatians chapter 5 verses 19 20 and 21 with a will that is perverted set upon pleasing itself rather than pleasing god because the mind of the flesh is enmity against god for it is not subject to the law of god neither indeed can it be romans chapter 8 verse 7 revised version in the new birth a new intellectual affectional and volitional nature is imparted to us we receive the mind that sees as god sees thinks god's thoughts after him first corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 to 14 affections in harmony with the affections of god the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23 a will that is in harmony with the will of god that delights to do the things that please him like jesus we say my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work john chapter 4 verse 34 compare john chapter 6 verse 38 galatians chapter 1 verse 10 it is the holy spirit who creates in us this new nature or imparts this new nature to us no amount of preaching no matter how orthodox it may be no amount of mere study of the word will regenerate unless the holy spirit works it is he and he alone who makes a man a new creature the new birth is compared in the bible to growth from a seed the human heart is the soil the word of god is the seed luke chapter 8 verse 11 compare first peter chapter 1 verse 23 james chapter 1 verse 18 first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 every preacher or teacher of the word is a sower but the spirit of god is the one who quickens the seed that is thus sown and the divine nature springs up as the result there is an abundant soil everywhere in which to sow the seed in the human hearts that are all around us upon every hand there is abundant seed to be sown any of us can find it in the granary of god's word and there are today many sowers but there may be soil and seed and sowers but unless we sow the seed the spirit of god quickens it and the heart of the hearer closes around it by faith there will be no harvest every sower needs to see to it that he realizes his dependence upon the holy spirit to quicken the seed he sows and he needs to see to it also that he is in such relation to god that the holy spirit may work through him and quicken the seed he sows the holy spirit does regenerate men he has the power to raise the dead he has the power to impart life to those who are morally both dead and putrefying 
he has power to impart an entirely new nature to those whose nature now is so corrupt that to men they appear to be beyond hope how often i have seen it proven how often i have seen men and women utterly lost and ruined and vile come into a meeting scarcely knowing why they came and as they have sat there the word was spoken the spirit of god has quickened the word thus sown in their hearts and in a moment that man or woman by the mighty power of the holy spirit has become a new creation i know a man who seemed as completely abandoned and hopeless as man ever became he was about forty-five years of age he had gone off in evil courses in early boyhood he had run away from home had joined the navy and afterwards the army and learned all the vices of both he had been dishonorably discharged from the army because of his extreme dissipation and disorderliness he had found his companionships among the lowest of the low and the vilest of the vile when he would go up the street of a western town at night and merchants would hear his yell they would close their doors in fear but this man went one night into a revival meeting in a country church out of curiosity he made sport of the meeting that night with a boon companion who sat by his side but he went again the next night the spirit of god touched his heart he went forward and bowed at the altar he arose a new creation he was transformed into one of the noblest truest purest most unselfish most gentle and most christlike men i have ever known i am sometimes asked do you believe in sudden conversion i believe in something far more wonderful than sudden conversion i believe in sudden regeneration conversion is merely an outward thing the turning around regeneration goes down to the deepest depths of the inmost soul transforming thoughts affections will the whole inward man i believe in sudden regeneration because the bible teaches it and because i have seen it times without number i believe in sudden regeneration because i have experienced it we are sometimes told that the religion of the future will not teach sudden miraculous conversion if the religion of the future does not teach sudden miraculous conversion if it does not teach something far more meaningful sudden miraculous regeneration by the power of the holy spirit then the religion of the future will not be in conformity with the facts of experience and so will not be scientific it will miss one of the most certain and most glorious of all truths man devised religions in the past have often missed the truth and man devised religions in the future will doubtless do the same but the religion god has revealed in his word and the religion that god confirms in experience teaches sudden regeneration by the mighty power of the holy spirit if i did not believe in regeneration by the power of the holy spirit i would quit preaching what would be the use in facing great audiences in which there were multitudes of men and women hardened and seared caring for nothing but the things of the world and the flesh with no high and holy aspirations with no outlook beyond money and fame and power and pleasure if it were not for the regenerating power of the holy spirit but with the regenerating power of the holy spirit there is every use for the preacher can never tell where the spirit of god is going to strike and do his mighty work there sits before you a man who is a gambler or a drunkard or a libertine there does not seem to be much use in preaching to him but you can never tell but that very night the spirit of god will touch that man's heart and transform him into one of the holiest and most useful of men it has often occurred in the past and will doubtless often occur in the future there sits before you a woman who is a mere butterfly of fashion she seems to have no thought above society and pleasure and adulation why preach to her without the regenerating power of the holy spirit it would be foolishness and a waste of time but you can never tell perhaps this very night the spirit of god will shine in that darkened heart and open the eyes of that woman to see the beauty of jesus christ 
and she may receive him and then and there the life of god be imparted by the power of the holy spirit to that trifling soul the doctrine of the regenerating power of the holy spirit is a glorious doctrine it sweeps away false hopes it comes to the one who is trusting in education and culture and says education and culture are not enough you must be born again it comes to the one who is trusting in mere external morality and says external morality is not enough you must be born again it comes to the one who is trusting in the externalities of religion in going to church reading the bible saying prayers being confirmed being baptized partaking of the lord's supper and says the mere externalities of religion are not enough you must be born again it comes to the one who is trusting in turning over a new leaf in outward reform in quitting his meanness it says outward reform quitting your meanness is not enough you must be born again but in place of the vague and shallow hopes that it sweeps away it brings in a new hope a good hope a blessed hope a glorious hope it says you may be born again it comes to the one who has no desire higher than the desire for things animal or selfish or worldly and says you may become a partaker of the divine nature and love the things that god loves and hate the things that god hates you may become like jesus christ you may be born again end of chapter nine